Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar, with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Friday. It's November 23rd. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. I said NBA, right? And I'm already screwing myself. I up. hope you said <laughs> NBA, dude. I hope so. This. I hope I did too. I'll have to listen back <laughs> when I do it. My brain's going a couple different directions at once, but that's okay. DFSR.com slash deals gets you a deal on our uh, premium package, free for seven days to podcast listeners. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NBA. NFL. It's all covered under one sub. So go check that out. DFSR.com slash deals. Buddy, how was your Thanksgiving? Was it full of football and friends and family and, uh, and some other F word that I can't think of? But uh, how was your holiday? Yeah, it was. That, that F word you can't think of was the main one, which was uh, <laughs> bug bingo. So it doesn't start with an F necessarily, but it does when my friend, my son August says it because he can't say his B's or his P's. Uh, it was a good time though. Yeah, we had we had fun. Ate some, some turkey, ate some vegan pumpkin pie. You know, it was just Gross. one of those days. Yeah, my, my, my mother-in-law showed up with a Bluetooth wireless uh, microphone that had an echo feature that my daughter, wa- that thing almost got pitched into the ocean at around 5 p.m. Uh, it was a real sweat to see where that was going to end up by the end of the night because if you had put a chant, like, you know, minus 130, this thing ends up either on the street in the garbage or in the ocean. Um, you would have taken pretty heavy money on it. And nice so slight like- ocean brag, by the way. Doug lives near the ocean, everyone, in case you didn't know. Well, living the dream. To, it's a good place okay. to throw something. All right, the, <laughs> all right, let's get into the NBA. Interesting NBA Friday here. In that there's two early afternoon games. There's a noon game and a 3.30 game. We're not going to really spend too much time on those. And then FanDuel, for some reason, does not include the 7 o'clock Houston-Detroit game. Why bother? It's just big enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's just very weird. I mean, it's very funny for them, too, because they're the the site that includes every game. Like, they never miss a game. They're the ones that always have the all-day slates. Um, They break everything down so granularly. And then they just brick on this one game. It's like... Oh my god! I can hear this microphone in the background. I can't even believe this. I'm <laughs> this thing's gonna be the death of me. Okay, um, we're gonna just we're gonna start we're gonna start going game by game through the seven thirty games. Uh, we'll just go from there. You can, obviously, um, if you're signed up for our premium package, you'll get projections for every game and every slate. So no worries there. But in terms of breaking things down, we'll just start with seven thirty. Boston goes in and plays Atlanta. Eight and a half point favorites. Boston's still kind of. I don't know. I guess I'm going to call it struggling. They're just, they can't seem to figure out what rotations they want to play. Gordon Hayward clearly does not look anything close to healthy right now. I heard Mm -hmm. a stat the other day that said he'd only dunked the ball two times all season, um, which is just a bad sign if you're just coming back from these leg injuries. But they get a great matchup against Atlanta. Atlanta is about as good a DFS matchup as you can get in the business right now. What are your thoughts on like Kyrie, guys like Horford? Um, Prices in the moderate section for some of these guys, and Boston just hasn't been all that exciting of a team this year. 
Yeah, they're a combination of not that exciting a team and not very exciting prices. I think when you get the best possible matchup, you can think about it. I think Kyrie in particular, in the last three of his last four games, he's really had a big uptick in time of possession. He's been dealing assists. Uh, the minutes have been up slightly. I think Boston feels the back against the wall, like they're not just going to be able to ride the subs into the one seed or anything this season. So that plan is out the window. I think Kyrie has solid momentum around both shooting and passing. So I think at 9,000, and like you said, literally the best possible DFS matchup this season, top overall pace, bottom two defensive efficiency for Atlanta. Oh, no, bottom five now. They had a good game or something when I wasn't looking. But, uh, but yeah, still one of the best matchups. So, yes, I'll, I'll think about Kyrie. I think the rest of these guys, it's a kind of a tragedy, the common situation where the minutes get spread out. They can't really commit to what they want to do outside of Kyrie for some reason. Like, I really thought especially after the Toronto game, that they would be all in on Jason Tatum. That hasn't really borne any fruit. Uh, and then outside of him, you know, it's Hayward and a mishmash at the small forward spot. It's Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Like, they're they're just spreading, spreading out minutes too much for me to be too interested elsewhere. Yeah, I'm, I basically agree with all those, all those thoughts. Um, Kyrie, we're in an interesting situation with point guards. There's so many good point guards from a fantasy perspective, especially with the emergence of guys like Kemba Walker, who are having an excellent season, Damian Lillard's having an excellent season, that it's when they're all kind of priced in the same price point, Walker, Irving, Lillard, I'm going to throw mm. John Wall in there. Um, I'm going to just take the minutes on the other guys. I, I think that's, you know, all things all things being equal, I get that Atlanta's a great matchup, and you can just push up 38 minutes on some of those other guys where you really can't get there with Irving. I think that's going to be a deal, a tiebreaker. Um, that's where I'll end up landing. And on the Atlanta side, Deadman's a guy we like to roll out in cash the other night when he got the start. They are going to get Amari Spellman back tonight. John Collins was fairly highly owned the other night at power forward, mostly because the power forward position is such a disaster. These guys are coming out as decent points per dollar plays against Boston. Where do you where do you kind of land on them? I like Deadman. Um, Collins was truly some hot trash oh, in yeah. that Toronto game. That was hard to watch. Like he went in a halftime with less than five fantasy points, so he picked it up in the second half. Um, Collins is just kind of a weird player. Like he's kind of like oddly assist dependent. <laughs> he had five assists in, uh, or average five assists in his last two games. Didn't score a whole lot last game. You have to think that he's not the high man on the totem pole there, and he's now not that cheap at five thousand. So I think I, if I had to pick between them, I think Deadman's probably safer on the minutes, especially if Spellman comes back, because um, Spellman also just been starting in place mm-hmm. of Collins. So. Yeah, I would be, if I had to rank my Hawks, uh, hopefully I would play something around no Hawks, but I could play, I could play Deadman, I guess. Yeah, and it's a bad, it's a bad matchup here against Boston. Um, they are a yeah. slow team. They are very good and still very good on defense. the offensive end that they've really struggled. Um, so Yeah, best defensive efficiency this year in spite of all their blows. I will say John Collins did play. He was, they said he was going to be capped at 25 minutes here, right? He played 27. I get that he was really bad. 27 minutes on his, on the skill set that we've seen from him historically in terms of fantasy scoring is going to really, and it's mostly just a, a Fanduel issue because of the power forward position, uh, 5,100 at 27 minutes, you're going to have to start thinking about it, I think. And I think it's mostly, it more speaks to the position than it does to him as like a talented player or not. It's just, it, again, we've said this every single podcast, it's very difficult to, to roster two power forwards on Fanduel at the price points. So just, it's a two week of a position and it's a constant, almost nightly issue. All right, Cleveland goes in and faces Philly. Philly's a huge favorite here, 13 and a half, coming off, squeaked out a win against the Pelicans. The other night, uh, where the Pelicans put on a late game barrage of three pointers and kind of pulled, they pulled from ten to within three, and then uh, Davis missed a free throw that would have tied the game, and then that was kind of the end of it. It was kind of a brutal, brutal loss, even though they kind of came back. Anyway, Philly, still, I'm still not totally sold on like what Philly is bringing here, and outside of Embiid, um, you know, just in terms of bringing, you mentioned bringing over Jimmy Butler. 
essentially has so, sort of translated into just be like a rich man's Robert Covington in terms, yeah. in terms of what he's doing. Do you still hold that same sort of feeling from a fantasy perspective? I think he's clearly an upgrade, but I, I was kind of... Tell me what's a more Robert Covington line than what he did against New Orleans after I made this claim. 13 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, a block, and 3 steals. Gets there on a $6,000 price. Great for Robert Covington. At $8,600, not so much. Yeah, <laughs> so I, it's, it's, I think it's Butler real. comes in and takes just enough away from everyone outside of Embiid. Because Embiid just does a unique thing on this team that Jimmy Butler's not going to be able to replace. Um, namely, piling up massive piles of rebounds. <laughs> like right. Embiid's averaging 13 rebounds a game. And, and that's kind of a de facto way to create his own shot as well sometimes. So, yeah, it's, I still like Embiid. Uh, especially, I mean, going up against Cleveland, they've been just pretty rough generally. And I think the price on Embiid is oddly not ticked up in spite of consistent production on this price point. So, yeah, Embiid, totally a guy you can run out there at center. The rest of Philly, nah, I'm going to pass on him. Yeah, um, this is a great matchup. Cleveland is pretty undersized, and they're just they're just not a good defense. And just a terrible, terrible team in general, probably the worst team in basketball. Uh, I'd be worried about the blowout. The Sixers can blow you out, especially if they get their rotations yeah. correct and they just have one at least one of the three guys on the court at all times. That has been an issue. It wasn't as big of an issue against the Pelicans. Uh, and Abid, yeah, just do just puts up monster lines, man. It's crazy. Like he put up a 31-19 line. Uh, he did have seven turnovers. Turnovers have always been sort of an issue for him. He just does play sometimes sloppy in the offensive end. But um, thirty-one points, eight. So much too, and he gets double teamed so often that it's hard not to turn it over sometimes. For sure. Uh, and then Simmons, just a little too expensive, although he had a very good game too, 28 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, and then he's going to throw in some defense. They're both going to throw in some defensive stuff along the edges. Now on uh, on the Cleveland side, we did get a David Nwaba start the other night. I don't know if that was specifically because they were playing LeBron and I, they're going to stick to it or if that's going to be the plan going forward. There's no news on that as of right now. They're huge underdogs to Philly. But Nawaba was a guy showing up in the lineup. Seti Osman was a guy that we played on DraftKings. He was still coming pretty cheap. He had a really nice game. Uh, what are, any thoughts here on Cleveland? Any of these guys still fantasy relevant? Yeah, I think Osman is still pretty cheap. And given the fact that he played 42 minutes against the Lakers shows you that Cleveland still sees him. And I'm trying not to laugh to myself about this, but Cleveland still sees him as sort of a fundamental piece going forward. Uh, the rest of the guys, you know, we saw Nance play low minutes against the Lakers. Um, you know, there's still this weird situation around, is it Jordan Clarkson, you know, Colin Sexton, like they don't totally know what they want to do in terms of who brings the ball up the court. Those guys can see minutes come and go and they're now, well, Sexton in particular is now pretty expensive for what he does. So big slate, probably just to pass on the rest. Yeah, um, it's just bad teams going to be bad, and the way you're bad, a lot of times you play, you just play random guys a lot of different minutes, and that's just yeah, kind that's of, a great point. <laughs> and that's just this is the issue when we have when we kind of fall into these not a trap, but like fall into this part of just like kind of trying to figure out these bad teams. You just they can't when they can't figure it out, it's going to be hard for the fan outside of the situation to figure it out as well. And I think uh, that is a theme for sure with Cleveland. It's a theme with the Knicks as well. That you know they play, uh, they go in and play the Pelicans tonight. Uh, they are underdogs, obviously. Seven-point home underdogs to, to New Orleans. This game has a huge over-under, though. 237, which is the highest of the slate. Uh, I don't know if Golden State-Portland is going to get there. That line is not out yet. But uh, for the ones that are reported so far, 237 is the highest over-under uh, of the evening. Uh, I guess well, let's start with the Pelicans because they're actually the good team. Um, are, this is a great matchup against the Knicks. Anthony Davis struggled from the field shooting. He still put up a combined 10 steals and blocks against <laughs> against Philly, which is going to help you in terms of just making up uh, making up around the margins when the scoring isn't there. Is he the big money payoff today against a Knicks team that's pretty completely trash? 
Yeah, I mean, I love Davis. I don't know what you want. It's like the guy's averaging more than 60 fantasy points a game this season. And that's in spite of, you know, at least a couple games where he doesn't get there on the minutes. The Pelicans seem to have abandoned the plan to play him fewer than 40 minutes a game. Like he's actually topped 40 minutes in three of his last five games. When the game stays close, Davis just is out there for the entire game. And that's going to give him, you know, we've talked about the importance of minutes, especially on your big players more than anyone else, because a minute from Anthony Davis is worth about as much as a minute from anyone in basketball. And Vegas sees this as a seven and a half point game, the Pelicans way. That might be a little bit generous to the Knicks. I'm not totally sure, but either way, I think he's just an excellent payoff. Again, it's also a bad position. So when you can get the combination of the two, like a really nice big money payoff at a position that lacks a lot of premier punts or even premier mid-range guys, then I think you're probably doing it on both ends, which which I appreciate. I mean, Vegas has them as a hundred and almost 122 implied points right now, and we have we our system has you taking the over on that for the for the Pelicans, yeah, which is really you're really starting to butt up against some crazy numbers when that's the case. And but if that's going to be the case, guys like Davis are about as big good big money payoff as you're going to get. The 13 shots he saw against Embiid and the Sixers has to be one of the lowest you're going to see from him all season long. Now Holiday took 24 shots. Ethan Moore took 25 shots. He was three for seven from the field. Is this something that you just see as like maybe a one-off kind of thing with Moore? Got the hot hand. And they just kind of kept feeding him in a matchup that they liked because the other defensive things just weren't really opening themselves up. Or can we expect this kind of high minutes from a guy like Moore? Because he's a guy, he's like one of these mid-range guys that will kind of start showing up in our system if you give him like 36, 37 minutes. Yeah, he's a classic guy, actually. Yeah. Just I have PTSD of him, his name showing up on DraftKings like 10 minutes before line on block. Right. I'm trying to scramble to get him out of there. Uh, yeah, the question on Moore, it's really like he and Marodic seem to be inversely correlated when it comes to minutes. And... Since Marodic is also a guy that can kind of get hot, I don't know that I want to just go all in on more. And, you know, at 5,500, I don't know that you're necessarily going all in on him. Like, it still seems like he's going to get 30 minutes, even if he doesn't get 38 minutes on any given night. And if you look at his fantasy point totals, um, he's got, uh, it's it's a mixed bag. Like, he's got mostly really good games on this price point in those last five or six games. He's got, like, some really good games, like 6x, 7x, up to 8x against Minnesota, and then he's got some 3x games, you know, 3x points per dollar games against Denver and New York, even when the minutes did get there. So, you know, more can hurt you. Uh, I think, you know, this is unrealistic in the modern FanDuel probably, but if he's like one of your, like say you're running a FanDuel lineup and you have four guys between 4,500 and 5,500, more is a great part of that component because he can be the lowest scoring guy, but he could also be the highest scoring guy out of that group. It's just a yeah, I think just for straight-up cash games, you're just like plugging him in and you're punting away a position. I think he starts to get a little risky there. Now, on the Knicks, they, uh, Vonley was a very popular start the other night. The price has come up a little bit on him, but he's still under 5000 on FanDuel. He's been a chalk play the last few nights, and he's been good. He played 30 minutes. Yeah, you're um, going to play Vonley. Yeah, 16. I, I, he's basically just at this point in the modern FanDuel, is Vonley just, is he the highest on, you think he just ends up being the highest on power forward on the slate? He was the highest power own power forward on the Wednesday slate that had, I guess, similarly poor options. But yes, he'll be the highest owned player here again. I would have to imagine the, the position just gets so bad so quickly. Like you know, our system is like I don't know, Jonas Jerebko, maybe you just throw Aldridge in there. Like just John Collins. There's just so many. Like our system basically says definitely Vonley, and then maybe you're thinking about Thaddeus Young. <laughs> so right, I, don't, right. I think I'm just going to start with Vonley and then. Hopefully not have to make two decisions. Because like, if you don't play Vonley, all of a sudden you need two of those guys. And uh, good luck to you. 
And and even on DraftKings at forty three hundred at the forward position, it's not. It's it's probably something you can also get away with. I suspect maybe you get some ownership there with the price staying under four thousand five hundred. Sure. And I want to just caution people: this is still the Knicks. This is still the team that starts Mario Hazonia and plays him 13 minutes, right? Starts Emmanuel Moody and plays him 20 minutes. These minutes can just go. Just because you start for the Knicks doesn't mean shit. I'm sorry. They can, like, but if you if you get more than 50% ownership, it doesn't really matter, right? And, so. and that's and that's where it's that's where it's not really going to bite you. And that's why the the risk is acceptable on on a guy like him because of the position. Just because and he does from a fantasy points per minute, he the rebounds have really been the thing that he's been able to sustain when he's on the court this season. And the it's it's going to be hard to see those disappear. And that's why the floor stays pretty high. I always just like to caution people that. When you play a, cl- a game they won against the Celtics, 117-109, and Hazoni played 13, Cantor played 23, Moody played 20. So it's not like you play a close game and the starters get in there. It's like Trey Burke comes in off the bench, shoots 20 times, and scores 32 points. So hashtag Knicks. I don't know what to do with this team. But anyway, Vonley still looking like a pretty good play. Washington goes in and plays Toronto. Toronto, 10.5 point home favorite. They're going to get Kawhi back here. Kawhi sat on the back end of the back-to-back on Wednesday, but he'll be back playing here tonight. I guess there's some blowout risk. Washington is one of these teams that can look real bad for quarters at a time, and then something are able to kind of pull wins out of their assets from time to time as well. Is this matchup? A lot just of swearing much? on the podcast. Ah, sorry, Doug, Doug sorry, sorry. Mood after Thanksgiving. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm going. I'm going fast because we got two podcasts to do today. And I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> sorry, I gotta, go ahead. I when I start when I stop thinking, I start talking faster. I guess I curse more. All right, ten and a half point favorites. Kawhi's a guy our system really has liked from time to time. The fantasy production has definitely come and gone. I've not, I was very bullish on him going into the season, and I guess that's starting to wear off a little bit. Still a good matchup here against uh, uh, the Wiz, though. What are your thoughts here on the Raptors? And then we can talk a little bit about Washington. Yeah, the Raptors are a funny one. Um, I have always leaned away from not playing Kawhi. That hurts you sometimes, but on a big slate, I just don't know why you need to pay 10000 for this guy. He averages 43 fantasy points a game, and you could – you know, make the excuse for him that, well, the minutes will come and go, but Toronto's made it very clear that he is the first guy that they will rest if things get out of hand. So I will not be playing Kawhi, and if he plays, that really kills basically everyone else on the team too because you just don't know where the shots are going to go. And FanDuel is now, they've just now gone full circle in the other direction than they used to go, which was, they used to just, like you'd have to wait two weeks to get an updated price on Noah Vonley, right? Yep. <laughs> now these days it's like, bang, like just any news, we're just going to update the prices. Right now, the rest of the Raptors are priced like Kawhi is out, even though he only sits half the games yep. or sits on one half of a back-to-back. So I don't think you can play, you can credibly play any of these Raptors guys if Kawhi plays. And yeah, that's just a big slate, right? So why am I going to stretch to play these guys? And what amounts to a fine but not super exciting matchup? Yeah, uh, and then in terms of injury news, the in terms uh, excuse me on the Washington side of things, they did sit out. Dwight Howard sat last game uh, with an injury. He is questionable right now. They started Thomas Bryant uh, last game, and then they oh, what else did they do? Oh, they started Kelly Oubre, I think. Um, also, like it was a weird thing. It was I saw a pretty funny text and actually or tweet, and then my brother in law tweeted or texted me too. It was like a flow chart of should I play Kelly Oubre? And the one thing was like is he chalk? And the answer was no. And then is he is he playing? And the other answer was no. Like so, it's just like these Kelly Oubre. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty funny way to kind of and funny and slash completely true with this guy. I can't even tell you how many times this guy's gotten the start. I've just deemed to play him and jam in the lineups, and the guy is just completely terrible. Anyway. Is this matchup just not the one we want to focus on the Wiz anyway? Because Toronto is about as good a team on defense as you'll see in the league. I mean, Ubre, if he does get the start at 5,000, I think you at least have to consider him. He is good on a points-per-minute basis. I know that he can drive you totally crazy, but uh, the savings matter on a big slate like this. Like, if you can get savings where you can, you can pay up, and you wind up doing pretty well for yourself. 
Uh, it is a tough matchup. 5,000 is not exactly free. Obviously, I'd rather pay 4,000 than 5,000 for just about every player in the league. But um, I guess it would also come... The other thing it would majorly come down to is, is there better value elsewhere? Because like you don't need to play Ubre. Like If you can get Tyreek Evans with Oladipo out tonight, you're not going to play Ubre in his place, in my opinion, uh, just because Evans's role would be so much more secure. But if Oladipo... I think Oladipo is just questionable right now. I can't recall. But yep. if Oladipo does come back and play then, yeah, you're you're going to need to have a little bit more action at small forward and then maybe you consider it. Yeah, I mean, Ubre started, he played 12 minutes. He was in foul trouble early. Again, I don't know what their plan is to be. They did start Thomas Bryant at center. He played 19 minutes. The reason I do, the reason I can talk myself into at least the guards on the Washington is that Washington has been so bad to start the season that they are they are basically one of these teams that's like in win now mode. Like they need to keep winning. The coach is going to get fired if they keep losing. So I think that I think that there's a definite motivation there. We've seen huge minutes out of Wall and Beal. Wall and Beal both played 41 minutes each against Port, against uh, uh, the Clippers the other night in a game where they had a furious comeback, put up 39 in the fourth quarter, came back and won because mm-hmm. they were losing pretty bad. Um, how much safety? Like how much does that outweigh some of the defensive concerns we get going against Toronto? If we can get, if we can start projecting guys like Wall and Beal at like thirty-eight or thirty-nine minutes, which is somewhat realistic, does that outweigh at their price points? Does that outweigh that they're, they're getting a very bad matchup here? Not really, to me. I mean, they're also ten and a half point underdogs. So, right. like, sure, you can make you know interesting speculation about what the plan is going forward based on the coach and all that stuff. All that actually makes sense to me. But if you're a ten and a half point underdog, you're just starting to stack factors against people, and so now, basically, by playing those guys at this point, you're going to say you're you're essentially depending on them playing high thirties minutes. That's not like a happy accident where you get a little upside off the top. That's like if they don't do this, you're completely screwed. <laughs> so right. I, I, for that reason, again, big slate, no thanks. Um, Oklahoma City plays the Hornets in a game that's going to feature two of obviously the best point guards in basketball that are completely dominating their team in terms of overall usage and time on the ball, and that's Kemba Walker and Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. Uh, Westbrook and the Thunder are six-point home favorites here. They are coming off a a real big win against Golden State, and Golden State's undermanned at this point, but they still beat them by 28 on Wednesday. Russ went for 33 minutes, put up the ball 15 times, got there in the triple-double with 13 assists and three rebounds. Is he the big money payoff in a game that you feel like has to feature him and Walker basically just going head-to-head the entire game? Yeah, I think so. I think especially, you know, Russ is like a little bit misleading right now because he's actually, like normally he's the guy in terms of overall time of possession in the league. This year he hasn't been that. And by the way, I just want to point this out. How much fun is it to be on the Rockets when you have Chris Paul and James Harden as being first and third in the league in time of possession? It's just like nobody else gets to touch the ball. It's just like one of those pickup games where it's the two friends who like think they're better than everyone else. Like just what a great time. They only pass to each other basically. Uh, but yeah, Westbrook actually 0.1 minutes behind Kemba Walker here in terms of overall time of possession. Now that doesn't obviously translate directly to uh, you know fantasy scoring or anything like that, but uh, I think that that number will definitely continue to rise. He's getting healthier. He's playing more minutes. I think that both sides of this look pretty good to me. I mean, for all of, like, Walker, there seems to be some, like, price resistance on FanDuel at, at around this $9,000 price tag. And I think he can butt up over that. He's averaging, basically paying off that price. And, you know, recently he lost some minutes in a blowout in, in the Indiana game. But I think that Walker's will wind up producing between 45 and 50 fantasy points a game. And with Westbrook so focused on just doing his own scoring, uh, you know, he's not really 
the defensive stalwart when all that's happening. So I'm I'm happy to get either side here. Yeah, OKC is, is good on defense, but they're not very good at perimeter defense. That's not they're, they're better on the interior when you, when you get closer down with George uh, and uh, obviously Stephen Adams. It's not and even right. Jeremy Grant's a pretty good defender. It's it's more of like what they do around the perimeter where you can really get hurt, and that's going to be Walker's game here. We've seen his is basically the insistent on insistence on him chucking up threes and getting to the rim, and that's basically that's what he's turned his game into. Now he only shot ten times against the Pacers; they were just winning by so much, it just didn't matter. He wasn't forced into having. He did have eleven assists that game, so it was just finding the ball in, into other scoring opportunities. But the two games before that, twenty-five shots, thirty-four shots, he's averaging like clo- I think close to thirty shots. Uh, excuse me, oh, excuse me, mid twenty shots uh, on the season. Guy's just one of the highest usage players in the league. And the minutes should be there in what a game amounts to a pretty close game. And then at the same time, it's hard to find it's hard to find anything else to like on either of these two teams just because these guys do dominate so much at the point of attack with the action. All right, San Antonio goes in and plays the Pacers. There is no line in this game right now, presumably because we're waiting on the Victor Oladipo news. This one will be the thing that turns uh, probably a lot of the at least early value if you see the Pacers still as a value after the other night. I guess we can talk about that. So we went in pretty heavy on the Pacers again. Tyreek Evans, Darren Collison, they got smoked. The minutes weren't there. Neither was very good. Let's say Oladipo sat again. I mean, but because of that, the price has barely moved on these guys. If Oladipo were to sit again, would you feel comfortable going back to these Pacers guys? We we're very high on them. Now they get a not so great matchup against the Spurs. Let's talk about things as if Oladipo were not going to play tonight. Yeah. So right now the Pacers are favored by three and a half points, and I don't know if that's that means Oladipo's based on Vegas. That, nah, they think What's he's going to play. That has to mean they think Oladipo's going to play. That's then. what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, so I. Yeah. I, I I think given that, I'm not going to spend too much time worrying about this contingency. But even so, like let's say that he winds up sitting. I would imagine that's not going to move the line by 15 points or something, right? So no. at that point, Vegas would see this as a pretty even contest. And I think if you think it's going to be an even contest, then you play Collison and Evans again. I mean, you can't possibly... Like, it, it, you get it both ways in basketball when things go badly, right? Because things go badly, your guy produces less. And producing less, if you do it enough and you're important enough to the team, the way Collison and Evans were last game, that also means you're probably going to get blown out and then you're going to lose your minutes and then you're going to do even less than you would have otherwise. (laughs) So I think that we got hit both ways on it last time. And that was, uh, yeah, more of a niche circumstance than one that you should normally predict or project. And yes, I would go back to the drawing board here if we got news that Old Depot is going to sit, even though, yes, to me, it looks like he's going to play. In terms of of the, uh, the Spurs here, only because, again, the power forward position ends up becoming so wonky. Lamarcus Aldridge has been a guy that, from time to time, yeah. will show up in our projections as a play at power forward. Again, mostly it's just defaulting to trying to figure out just who, who two of these guys are to play. Would this be a situation where you, you would feel comfortable doing it, or do you kind of maybe would feel better paying down at the position and paying up for, like, Anthony Davis or something like that? Like, does Lamarcus Aldridge fit the bill for a cash game play uh, in this matchup? Yeah, he's a classic cash game play in my mind. Uh, Pacers have been very, very bad against opposing power forwards. Uh, you know, they just have difficulty defending the big position. Uh, looks like, well, I don't know, is there news on Sabonis? Because I know he was in and out of last game. He was questionable to play. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so either way, though, Aldridge is just the type of guy you can play in solid matchups at 8,000. The plan in the Spurs in close games is to play him like 36 to 40 minutes a game. And if he does that, he's going to be able to pay an $8,000 price point for the most part. And so I think that Vegas has this projected as essentially a pick 'em, uh, depending on Oladipo's status. I think you can play Aldridge tonight. You're not excited about it. It's not a reason to go out of your way to play the slate, but it's good enough, you know, with Gasol continuing to be out that 
you won't cross him out to like you know stretch on Thad Young or Paul Millsap or something like that because again right. you have to play two of these guys right so uh, given that you know if you think one is going to be Vonley I'm not convinced right now that Aldridge is the best of that next group but he could be and I would be happy to do it I'm not I'm not and I'm not too interested in the rest of these Spurs parts they've done yeah. their classic like you know DeRozan's going to play Rudy Gay moves into the starting lineup he's a little bit too expensive. Uh, the point guard situation continues to be in flux with Bryn Forbes and even with Derek White back. It's not clear that they want even a, a primary ball handler. They really haven't for some time, and DeRose, having DeRozan around doesn't really change that as much. So it's really kind of hard to find other pieces to, to hone in on on the Spurs outside of Aldridge. And, again, I think DeRozan is just a little bit too expensive. Now, a game that is going to have some fantasy implications is the, the Heat go in and play Chicago. Heat two and a half point favorites uh, on the Bulls. Still going to be without Goran Dragic. They did get Dwayne Wade back last game, and I don't. I think that was all the. Oh, and obviously they're still. Oh, and excuse me, and Tyler Johnson is out as well. Uh, so they're missing two of their primary ball handling guards. Now I thought a lot of that was going to go to Justice Winslow last game. That did not end up being the case. They started Magruder, Derek Jones Jr., who barely played. Then they played Whiteside 32 minutes, Ellington 33, and then they played Josh Richardson 39. And I think I actually had projected him for even close to 40 points. What are you? Excuse me, 40, uh, 40 minutes in this game. It's hard for me to see like where they're getting a lot of their ball handling from here. Except as much, it just really is just Josh Richardson. Are we comfortable just? bumping all these Heat guys, especially the starters and the wing guys, into like that high 30s minutes. I thought it would be Winslow, but it really wasn't. What are your thoughts on the Heat? Yeah, so, right, I think Winslow demonstrated that he's probably a little bit too risky. Uh, you know, if, if I think they maybe feel like it was a failed experiment to try to run him on the point, and they're just not going to do it anymore as based on that Brooklyn game. Like, I, that would have been the perfect time to continue to try it, and the fact that they didn't uh, leads me to believe that he's just – going to be back relegated to a defensive specialist essentially so yeah i'm not going to be playing him uh it's it's an odd situation because it really seems like for all the world that this should open up so much opportunity like missing yep. gore Dragic, and tyler johnson like that's just essentially every minute of dribbling the ball up the court right <laughs> so i still believe that josh richardson should be a value on these prices uh, i think 76 is definitely in the high end but and I guess he hasn't really done it, but I just don't know what they're like. What else are they going to do? Are they just going to give up? Like, <laughs> just going to not try at all? I, I have a really hard time believing that. I guess you know, Magruder at five thousand is still probably a value if he shows up in your optimal lineups. You know, he's averaged thirty-seven minutes over the last two games, but yeah, it's just a it's a strange situation for sure. This is a weird one. When you look at the game log, because you're like, I mean, they lost by twelve. Where did the minutes go? Like, I keep clicking on guys. I'm like, Dwayne Wade, thirteen minutes. Okay, somebody had to play this. <laughs> even when you look at it, even when you look at the full box score, it's it, I did not watch this game. You know, just to be honest, but like, and yeah, Whiteside yeah. was a guy we played uh, against the Nets because you just play centers against the Nets, and that's just kind of how it goes. And he ended up going for twenty one points and twenty three rebounds, as what happens to Brooklyn every time they play anybody with any size, really. But uh, the the big the big thing is that John Richardson took twenty shots, and that's the usage. Was for, for, in terms of usage, he was the guy that picked up a right. lot of the, the extra usage because 20 shots for him is significantly more than his season average. So if you're going to give him a big usage bump as well as the minutes, he's getting close. And again, he's like seventh, you know, mid seven thousands for his skill set is just you can really get buzzed pretty hard on that. Um, so I, I just I, I agree with you. It's weird. I want that. I want to look at this and say, oh my gosh, this should give us crazy fantasy value, and it's just really, really not. And then the Chicago side. I mean, they have Levine, and that's it. I don't know. Uh, this is Levine's properly priced. All the rest of the guys are who they are. As I think that's kind of where we've fallen in terms of talking about the Bulls. But maybe you're seeing something I don't. No, not really. I think you're going to wind up playing the Bulls right now in good matchups. And the Miami Heat, you know, they've got their issues, but I don't think they represent a team that you want to force guys against 
in a 10-game slate. So. Um, Milwaukee is going to host the Suns. They're another. There's a lot of high spreads on this uh, on this night, and they're another one. 13 and a half point home favorite. So we're, we're definitely worried a little bit about the blowout. They do have a huge total here, 230 over under, um, going obviously mostly on the Buck side. Giannis was a guy we kind of looked at. Well, not kind of looked at. We discussed. It was like the Giannis, LeBron, and Anthony Davis contingent the other night on Wednesday about who the big money payoffs were. <laughs> and Giannis spoiler alert we guessed wrong Giannis <laughs> <laughs> uh, was in the second overall fan to line it was close I, it was and then he put up 71 fantasy points in 29, in 29 minutes <laughs> yeah. and I think he said something like he would he was on pace for 100 if they, the game had stayed close <laughs> um, it was just he was going to get there in 39 minutes it was a good chance that he was going to get to 100 points just didn't need to because they were just completely crushing the Trailblazers and then we just know that Giannis is one of these guys that can do it. Phoenix is not a good defensive match. Excuse me. It's a good defensive matchup if you want to play guys against them in terms of DFS. Is he the guy? I mean, now we're talking, we've mentioned a lot of superstars here. Where does he fit on the on the chain of the Westbrook, Davis? Um, I mean, those are, pretty, those are pretty much the guys we're considering. I think it's AD, Westbrook, uh, and Giannis. Where would he fall in terms of prioritizing this as the big money play? It'd be hard to argue that he's not the highest upside of all these guys. Uh, the matchup is perfect. Uh, Phoenix playing fast and generally bad defense. The idea here being that you'd play Giannis one way and then play like Devin Booker and try to capture the Suns scoring coming the other way. Like if the Suns manage to keep this within five points somehow and Giannis goes off, it means someone on the Suns is really, really going off. Uh, so yeah, I think for big tournaments, he'll probably be the highest owned of the superstars based just based on what he did against Portland, essentially. For cash games, yeah, I don't know. Like I think all we can do this early on... like the lineup optimizer is going to be so much better at figuring out where to pay up than we will be just yep. by sitting here and talking to each other, right? Because uh, it's going to know not only how good the plays will be, but also how good the other guys at the same position will be and you know whether you can spend up and so on and so forth. So yeah, right now I'm not ready to make a definitive. Like this is the, like on a night like tonight, it's close enough to where all I'm trying to do is sort out what the acceptable plays would be. And Giannis certainly ranks in that acceptable play. And, like, I wouldn't feel weirded out if he was my big money payoff, right? Um, like, right now, just as a counterexample, if, like, Kevin Durant was my big money payoff against Portland, I probably would be concerned given some of... Yeah, I get that he's cheaper, but um, given that given some of the other options I have here. So that's just what my gut tells me right now. And maybe you'll wind up disagreeing, but I... Yes, I can play Giannis tonight, sure. This one is just going to end up where the cheap... If... They're, if if and where the cheap guys end up showing up, right? Like, I think that that's yeah, that's what I mean. And that's as much of the dependent on on, on a night to night basis as anything else, right? It's like Giannis can have the highest overall projection, and if there's just two great small forward plays coming cheap, and that's where you need to prioritize just getting value in, and that's just going, that can be the thing that ends up taking a guy like Giannis even at the highest overall projection out of lineup. So it's, it really does end up becoming who the other guys are that open up value and small forward tends to be one of those places that it can happen just because that is a versatile position. There's a lot of guys like kind of like combo players that play in this position that are labeled small forwards. And so when they get you know spot starts like Kelly Uber, Tyreek Evans, when they get these spot starts, they end up being good on a fantasy points per minute. If you can get their minutes close to 30. And that's why sometimes small forward can be just can be a tough one. I don't mind guys like Bledsoe too. Bledsoe has been decent. This is still a good matchup. I'd still be a little bit worried about the blowout. Milwaukee has shown the complete and utter ability to crush teams this season. So the blowout could be in order. They were doing that all uh, during the first part of the year. It kind of, you know, when the schedule got harder, some of the close games, but if you got buzzed off minutes because they were killing the Phoenix, I wouldn't be surprised. Orlando goes in and plays Denver. Denver, seven and a half point favorites. Feels like it should be a good matchup on paper for Denver. And they're a team that I, especially on big slates, I struggle to want to play because their minutes 
they're just they're just committed to not playing their starters big minutes. I, there's no other way to put it at this point. Jokic, Millsap, these guys, even Jamal Murray at times. The only guy that's kind of safe is Gary Harris, and I guess Hernan Gomez has played a decent amount lately. But right. what are your thoughts on Denver? I'm generally distrustful of wanting to play them in cash. No, I think your your instincts are similar to mine here. I think that you just don't need to. Um, like if you're gonna, and the thing is too, even a guy like Gary Harris. Sure, the minutes are more consistent, but the price is not... You're not really getting away with much by playing Gary Harris outside of a great matchup at 6,600. So, yeah, Harris is a guy who could show up and you'd leave him in the lineup. And the rest of these guys, you would want to go back and just double-check and make sure there wasn't a better option. Because right. uh, even like a guy like Millsap, you know, it's interesting. He looked just like a dull, unexciting play. You know, maybe like a high-floor guy early in the season. It's become the polar opposite recently. Like, he's gone from... Yeah, I'll just put up 18 fantasy points against Houston and New Orleans to 50-plus against Minnesota and Atlanta, right? So Millsap apparently is now the quintessential GPP play. He's also doing it on the back of huge defensive stat contributions, and you know maybe that's a sign of increased effort. I'm not exactly sure, but sure. It's, I, I think you can consider Millsap for big tournaments. Um, all, I, guess it, I guess if he's in your power forward slot for cash games, you're not devastated, but outside of that, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly disgusted with how they... A portion of the minutes here. Yeah, it's a shame because like these a lot of these guys from especially Jokic, like if the minutes are there for him, he's about as good as it gets from a fantasy. Well, perspective. the minutes have been there the last three games, but the performance hasn't been there. So I don't, I don't know what to do with Jokic. Um, in a game that is going to have uh, a lot of at least a lot of question marks in terms of where we're going to go with ownership. Portland goes in and plays Golden State. Golden State is really struggling right now. They've lost four games in a row. Um, they, yeah. in, I mean, look, they're missing two of their four best players. So it's going to be they, they've run through it. The schedule hasn't been. I, I take that back. Houston, Dallas, San, uh, San Antonio, and OKC is a pretty bad run, especially when the OKC gets Westbrook back. So four losses in a row. Durant is two. I'm doing this math real quick. 13, 17. He's like two for his last 22 from three. Uh, I think over the last five games, that's been the direct reason why they've basically been losing. The scoring has generally been there because he's getting up mid 20 shots per game, and the three is not falling. How much do we trust this just coming back around on him? Obviously, it's Kevin Durant. We have a large sample size. He's not going to just gonna keep shooting 10% from three-pointers over the course of the season. And Portland's still not a great matchup here. Our system does want to play Durant at this at the price, with the price coming down, down to 10-5. What are your thoughts here on Golden State? And we can talk about Clay too. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I, I called Durant out as a guy who I would rather not play. And mm-hmm. I think, given the stats that you listed, I think you could probably live with it. I'm just like, Maybe I just I just kind of like don't like Golden State anymore. They always win. I'm like especially the narrative not, right now. Not recently they haven't been, but yeah, I get you. I, I know, I, but but that's that's even more annoying now because like you get the sense that people are like going to be painting them as this like plucky underdog when they finally <laughs> get healthy and like they get everyone back together. I don't know. I'm just kind of irritated with Golden State right now. So that's that's my general feeling. With I'm just admitting my bias here. Uh, but yeah, Durant. The fact that he has come close to being excellent on these prices in back to back games, in spite of just missing every single three-pointer means he's probably a value. I mean, if you had told me in the past that we could get him at 10-5 in essentially any matchup without Steph or Draymond, I would have just been absolutely all over it. So right. I don't want to I don't, I don't want to go too far on this and dismiss him outright. So that's the beginning of it. I mean, particularly in the last game, given the fact that they basically got blown out, he still played 34 minutes and put up 51 fantasy points. I think you're probably seeing Golden State sweat just a little bit here. And I would guess that they're going to err on the side of ensuring they win this one if they, if possible. So um, I think that raises the floor for Durant. And Thompson, I like him too. I think, you know, again, the OKC game, he only played 30 minutes, but he managed 27 points and 37 fantasy points. And I think that he's probably still 
I'm going to put him in the criminally underrated camp at 6,800. I know that it hasn't, like you're always in a weird spot in DFS, right? Because if you, if there's a value play and he doesn't play well and the price either stays the same or goes down, but nothing really changed about the guy, yep. you're going to keep advocating for the same guy. Right. And you know, like if you had a, I don't know, just a six sided die. And if you rolled it and it was a one, three times in a row, you still shouldn't, you shouldn't, Assume that it's going to be a one on that fourth roll, right? Like Clay feel Clay feels to me like a gambler's fallacy type of guy where it just really should come together when he gets the minutes and the shot falls. I feel like he's got these forty-five point fantasy point games in him, and I think he's still too cheap. So yeah, I'm I'm still in on Clay. I think stacking Durant and Clay uh, in cash could just be the way to go tonight. I I'm still yeah, I think so too. I'm still thinking that they're both underpriced. I, I, Durant is definitely underpriced right now. When you run the projections on our site, Durant is in 100% of FanDuel lineups. So once you eliminate some of the other injury guys that we just haven't accounted for, um, like some of the Indiana guys with Oladipo back, once you start taking these guys out, um, when the savings does not become as stark and it's a little bit harder to pay up for guys like Anthony Davis and Giannis, and Durant does start ringing in really as a value. And I'm with you. If he's going to play 35 minutes in a game where they're losing by 30. And, and still kind of get there in these prices and be very bad from three-pointer, there's just something's going to come around, I think. Like, rebounds have really been there in the short term. Uh, the defensive stats have always been there for him with the blocks and steals. I think we're getting him at a value because they're struggling right now. Um, Vegas does have the, the line did come in here. Vegas does have them as two-point favorites uh, with 111 uh, implied points at two, 219 over-under. So uh, not an incredible amount of scoring when you, when you think about Golden State, but again, they're without Curry and they're without Draymond. Final game of the day, Jazz go in and play the Lakers. Lakers are two and a half point home favorites against Utah. Um, we, we typically do not target plays against Utah, and Utah has not been the defensive team that we've known them for this season. They just they've had a pretty significant drop off in terms of overall defense. Uh, are there ways that you can talk yourself into playing this game on such a big slate? Probably not. Just to be honest, I, I think you know the Lakers side outside of LeBron, basically almost every other position is riddled with uncertainty for me. Whether it's you know, minutes in a guy like Kyle Kuzma's case or just get, ever getting to hold the ball in your hands in the case of a guy like Brandon Ingram. Uh, the point guard situation has been nothing short of bizarre with uh, Lonzo Ball going 28 minutes, 21 minutes, 36 minutes <laughs> against right. Cleveland. I mean, maybe the plan is ultimately just to play ball a ton of minutes, and I guess you could make a case for playing him at the point guard position. Um, and actually, a quick question for you. Let's just say Oladipo sits. It looks like he's going to play, but uh, I think this is kind of instructive. Oladipo sits... Collison is there. You could choose between him and Lonzo Ball. You have 400 left in your lineup. Do you just play Lonzo Ball again, or are you just too worried about nah, no, uh, the minutes coming and going? Yeah, just too worried about the minutes. I'd definitely play Collison uh, in, that, really? in that case. Even though Collison just scored 10 fantasy points. <laughs> Lonzo, could play 20, Lonzo could play 22 minutes. Like, the, the guy, like the shot's not falling. Yeah. Like, and Utah's a smart team, too. They're, I mean, most teams do this, but Utah's, they, for the drop-off yeah, defense, awesome. oh, but just incredibly playoff. I'm like, just play like, dude, yeah. have at it. Shoot as many times as you want, man, man. Like, and, and, that's, and that's actually his quickest way out of the game is when he starts doing that and the shot isn't falling is when you just end up with Josh Hart as your sort of de facto point guard and LeBron is basically the point guard, right? So, like, I think I'd just be too worried about Lonzo's minutes. And if we gave him 32 minutes right now, 5,600, he would, should probably start showing up in all the lineups, even against Utah. So I, he's just one of these guys that I'm just I'm just very confused. I was very bullish on him without Rondo, but it doesn't seem like they really want to play him or know what to do with him. So it just also is like not really the kind of guy that seems like he fits with LeBron's game, which is to say LeBron is the guy that makes all the good shooters around him better. And... Not, he's just such a bad shooter that there's only you can only marginally uptick your yeah you know, you, what you can do from the field when you actually just can't shoot the ball. So anyway, this is all to say I'm confused about Lonzo. I think the Lakers are too, 
And that that is just like the kind of guy I do not want to play in cash. All right, we're going to get out of here. We are going to be have our football podcast coming up soon too, game by game breakdown for week 13. Big Friday and NBA. Don't forget there's is that 12 and 3.30 game early slate if you're kind of hanging around the day after the holiday looking for something to do. Go get in some, uh, some of the plays there with Minnesota, Brooklyn, and then Memphis and the Clippers, uh, which probably will open up a little bit of value and probably be two very, very slow games that you, I don't know, I don't know how much you want to tune in unless you're a real basketball fan. Anyway, dailyfeelingcsportsrankings.com is the site. dfsr.com slash deals get you started uh, for seven days for the podcast listener and then just uh, $24.95 a month after and you're all good to go. Buddy, enjoy your Friday night of basketball and we'll see you, talk to you in the football podcast in just a minute. Peace. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Can your fixed income stand the test of time? Markets change, but the role of fixed income shouldn't. That's why for more than 40 years, MFS has stayed true to our traditional approach. We call it essential fixed income. Find out more at mfs.com slash fixed income.